Welcome to the Connections Podcast, presented by the Nebraska Safety Council, serving all of Nebraska since 1961, providing education and leadership to empower people to live safe and healthy. Now, here is your host, Nebraska Safety Council Executive Director, John Leffler, Jr. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of our Connections Podcast. This will be, I believe, the fourth one that we've done now. So it's uh, it's exciting to be back here up in La Vista. Many thanks to Brandon and Cam and Chris with Herd App Media. I did want to mention Herd App Media really quickly here before we get started because I saw that uh, former Husker Damon Benning uh, had walked out of this room where we're recording the podcast right now. Um, and he actually did an interview recently with uh, Husker football head coach Matt Rule. Really, really good interview. If you get a chance to watch it, I believe uh, Cam HerdatSports.com. HerdatSports.com is where you can go check that out. It's on all of Herdat's uh, social media as well. But a great opportunity um, to uh, hear from a, a former Husker who I, I think Damon was smiling the whole time. You can tell as a former Husker, he is pumped about this new coaching staff. So, you know, with fall camp going on right now, I had to get that one in there uh, to let everybody know to check that out at HerdatSports.com. Now, you can find us at nesafetycouncil.org. Our next uh, podcasts or editions of the Connections podcast will be coming up October 5th and December 7th. We'd love to come up here. We stream this live. Um, You can find it on all of our uh, mobile marketplaces if you'd like to check that out. Uh, Also on our Facebook page as well as nesafetycouncil.org. And today our focus is going to be on wellness. We'll get into that here in just a moment to introduce our guests. But if you are one of our members or if you're someone that would like to be involved with the Connections podcast, we would certainly encourage you to uh, reach out, comment on Facebook, or send your uh, questions to nesc at nesafetycouncil.org. And again, at our website, you can find out all of that. Cultivating community. That is the uh, the title of today's Connections podcast. It is a program that um, our wellness services manager, Kelsey Pruce, is going to be rolling out here. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But our focus today is on agriculture, being in Nebraska, an uh, industry, obviously, that is vital to us nationally and globally, um, but cultivating community. We're going to be talking specifically today about the challenges that these men and women face uh, in this industry. So I wanted to kind of go around really quickly here before we jump into our conversation and uh, introduce our panel. Uh, our first guest today, Linda Emanuel, Community Health Director with the AgriSafe Network. Linda, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us to be part of your program. Yeah, and I know that um, we had talked a little bit before we came on here today, and uh, from from Nebraska, correct, and also a part of. Did you say three generations of yeah. farmers? Yeah, we are. So, um, as you said, I'm a registered nurse and a community health director for the nonprofit AgriSafe Network. I'm also co-manager of our three generational family farm. Um, we have three grown sons two have come back to farm with us, and the other guy chose uh, the cowboy way of life and lives on the western side of our state in the Sand Hills. And my 85 year old father-in-law just turned 85 a couple weeks ago um, is part of our operation and helps us out seasonally. So 
what we grow on our farm is row crops, and that would be corn and soybeans. Not road crops, like I said. <laughs> you can clearly tell that I am I'm not from a rural background. <laughs> we'll help you figure it out. <laughs> I thank you for helping me. I, I'm, I'm going to need more help than you can probably do in this 30-minute podcast, but Linda, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, happy to help you understand. Yeah. So um, we grow corn and soybeans as well as seed corn and seed soybeans and have a smell cow cap herd operation with our grown sons and my husband and I both come from agriculture I graduated from a itty bitty tiny town and when I left that tiny town I thought I'm not coming back to small town let alone think about marrying a farmer but here we are 30 <laughs> whatever years later and we're doing it we're we're really enjoying our life in the country well congratulations on that and it was your middle son that you said moved out uh, west and is uh, is doing the the cowboy thing yeah you know, Yellowstone is a very popular <laughs> show so <laughs> No, yes. I, I thought maybe I was cut out for it until I realized that there's probably nothing about that show that's real. So You got that right. <laughs> you totally got that. It's a totally different culture. And one, even us here on the east side of the state, it's, it's kind of difficult to understand. And they certainly have their own challenges, just like we do. Linda, I'm glad you're, you're here. Kellen Havikin is uh, an anchor and, and reporter with the uh, Brownfield uh, Ag News. And I feel like we've sort of hit the jackpot today. Another individual that's got a background in agriculture. For you, though, is it, it was the farming, but also a, a cattle farm that you, you grew up on. Yeah, we started. We had row crops, corn and soybeans, and then we got into producing and raising cattle. And now the operation is solely just cattle production, cow-calf. Um, similar story, when I left the farm to go to college, I, I said, I don't want anything to do with agriculture whatsoever. And, you know, five years since I graduated, I have the opportunity to work for the nation's largest agriculture radio network, and it's, and it's a really good gig and, and great opportunity to tell the story of agriculture and tell the story of farmers and ranchers. And finally, last, last but not least, <laughs> our wellness services manager actually has been with us here now for a few months at the Nebraska Safety Council, uh, Kelsey Pruce. And Kelsey, I, I know that, you know, for, for those that have um, worked with the Nebraska Safety Council for a number of years, um, you're, you're a new face. I am a, new a welcome face, face but you. kind of your 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 background as far as you know finding yourself now as as our wellness services manager. Absolutely. So I have spent 14 years in different arenas of wellness. Um, I've loved every minute of it. It's been such a passion of mine. I did take kind of a pause out and did some higher education, and when I got this opportunity to come back to wellness, I absolutely jumped on an opportunity to be local and working with my state and making the state a better place. So. We're going to be jumping into uh, a topic that is for everybody at this table, uh, something that I, we're all genuinely um, interested in and for some very passionate <laughs> about um, addressing because, uh, again, going back to kind of our conversation before we came in here, um, there's a there's a responsibility that we all feel uh, to to educating the general population through no fault of their own. I, I you know, Kellen, you brought up that producers you feel sometimes that we need to help them to tell their story, but I think we also need to build up the the knowledge base uh, of what this industry is dealing with, and and that is some some serious mental health challenges, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, cultivating community is our theme today, and that's next. We'll discuss that here on the Connections Podcast.
Nebraska Safety Council has been serving Nebraskans since 1961. We are committed to providing your business and organization with the education and training to keep you, your employees, and family safe on the road, at home, or in the workplace. Your support of the Nebraska Safety Council allows us to continue providing classes and programs for traffic safety, wellness services, and training safety. Your support is appreciated. To learn more about donating or sponsorship opportunities with the Nebraska Safety Council, visit nesafetycouncil.org to learn more. Welcome you back to the Connections Podcast. You can find us uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NE Safety Council is where you're going to want to search. Today we are discussing the mental health challenges um, that the men and women in our agriculture and ranching industry are experiencing. Cultivating community is our is our theme here today, and I, and I I wanted to share this with uh, you all, Linda Emanuel, Kellen Havikin and uh, Kelsey Proust joining us. A survey conducted by the American Farm Bureau Federation found that mental health is an important issue to 82% of farmers, farm workers, or their families. In addition, farmers and farm workers are at a higher risk for death by suicide. In fact, Kellen, I think you had mentioned that of all the industries, the suicide rate in the agriculture sector is the highest. Uh, lack of access to services, uh, which we're going to be talking about here in a moment. Stress for, uh, from physical health issues, ready access to lethal means, uh, the overall stress of farming. Farmers have cited obstacles of cost, embarrassment, which is something that I want to touch on as well, and awareness of mental health to be a barrier to seeking treatment. And farmers and ranchers are also at increased risk for a variety of health challenges, including respiratory diseases, hearing loss, stress and anxiety, dis, uh, disabling injuries, and others. You know, I think that you go through all of that. These are the facts. These are the things that are affecting those men and women that are working in the agriculture and ranching industry. For someone like myself, and I can obviously only speak from my reference point, when you, when you think about farmers and you think about ranchers, you think about this noble profession. The, the, probably the hardest working people that you'll ever come across. It never crosses, I shouldn't say it never crosses your mind, but maybe it's not as, it, it, it's not something that you think in terms of, they're dealing with challenges very similar to what I'm dealing with and the stresses that I have with my job and balancing, you know, that work-life balance that mm -hmm. we talk about. Kellen, I thought you brought up a great point about if you're working on the farm and you've got the challenges and the stresses that you're dealing with there and then you go home at night still on the farm you go out on your front porch and you sit down and it's all right there in front of you you know it's it's sort of like we've gone through with the working from home you know some people are like i've got to have that separation if i'm if i don't have that work-life balance you know work becomes a burden it's not something that i enjoy so that's kind of where we are right now but linda i want to i want to take a step back for a second and i want to ask you about the agrisafe network which you're involved in what I find most inspiring about that is that the birth of the AgriSafe network was in the rural environment. It was nurses that mobilized and said, we need to do something here because we're not serving this population. Sort of the, the background on the AgriSafe network and its genesis. Thank you. Thank you for, again, inviting us and then allowing AgriSafe to tell their story. So it was rural nurses in Iowa that identified a need in their clinics and their hospitals. 
they were seeing the same injuries, the same diseases, and, and very unfortunately, mortality related to the farmers and ranchers' work. So these gals and um, actually some public health professionals went to an ag medicine course at the University of Iowa. And they stumbled across some great resources there and they thought, you know what, we can take these resources and we can do something with it. So it started off as a very small core team of about four professionals, um, again, in Iowa. And they thought, we'll just keep this in Iowa and, and develop a model that works for our state. So the concept was pretty simple at first. Um, they addressed respiratory health issues, so they counseled farmers and ranchers on what to wear for the correct mask, depending on the environment. And when I say mask, it's not the red bandana mm -hmm. <laughs> that farmers think work. It, it really is not. And so um, working with OSHA guidelines, they helped farmers identify the, the correct mask. They talked about hearing loss, what you should be wearing to protect your hearing, just identifying those noises, the loud clanging equipment that farmers work around. Um, and then they also talked about muscle skeletal disorders and back pain and shoulder strain and all of those things that are physically taxing on the farmer. Well, what they found after just a few years is that model needed to change drastically. They took another look at it and because they were getting um, requests from states, surrounding states, like come and teach us, our healthcare providers, about what it means to serve farmers and ranchers. And so they changed up that model and they became the AgriSafe Network. And so um, since then, we've grown from a staff of a couple of nurses and public health professionals um, to a staff, I think we're up to like 13 now. Um, we partner well with different corporate, uh, corporate businesses as well as private businesses. And we really are looking at the nation's health disparities when it comes to farmers and ranchers and their families. Many folks think farmer rancher, they think that traditional white female, or excuse me, I'd like to say that, but white male. Mm -hmm. But we found that women are right there working right alongside, and they have been in my generations, many generations back, and as well as the youth on the farm. What are their needs? And so um, we've tagged along very well with research that's on out there. There's awesome research going on right now on the farmer's work and how can we best identify their hazards and then come up with suitable solutions. I just went to the dermatologist recently and it was not of my own uh, motivation. It was my wife and, oh, and, yeah. the, and the nurse there said wives save lives. Oh, we so do. I, 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 think, I think you're on to something there. We, so. They are the, we often say, and, and I just I was just sharing with you, I was at a farm show in Minnesota the last couple of days and I often tell the females, they're usually the ones that come up and talk to me, um, I said you're the unofficial safety officer of your farm and that's a very honorable role, so be proud of it and take action. Yeah, technically you are a part of the AgriSafe <laughs> network, whether you know it or not. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. Kellen, you're, you're life has been ag focused as well since day one growing up uh, in Schuyler yes, I, I think you said so yeah up, up in Schuyler now you have been a, a journalist a broadcaster uh, here in Nebraska over in Iowa um, was it always the goal to get back as, as, a, as a journalist and sort of tell the stories here in Nebraska and, and beyond from that that ag uh, perspective and ranching perspective? Well, I think, you know, for me, it, it, my big passion has always been telling stories and whatever medium that's through, right, whether if it's news or ag news or sports play-by-play, -play, uh, that was kind of the goal. Um, I think when I first left college, agriculture was kind of a, an afterthought. Um, and when you work in, you know, small-town radio, you, you talk with a few farmers and do some stories, but it wasn't solely, solely in agriculture. But now, you know, it's a natural fit, agriculture background, reporting on, on, on agriculture news and agribusiness um, items. I think the difference has been 
is what I originally thought about agriculture news and what I know now and what I still need to know are way different. It's way more in-depth. It's way more challenging because you have to understand the nuances of whether it's policy, weather, but most importantly, how does that affect farmers and ranchers when it comes to you know, their bottom line cost of production and how does that affect them? And then there's obviously the whole other opposite end of the spectrum, which is consumers and consumer demand for the products that farmers raise. So you're with Brownfield, which is one of the largest ag networks, if not the largest uh, in the nation, um, part of Learfield, which is, as we were talking about earlier, uh, kind of traditionally associated with sports. Um, to your point, I wanted, to, I wanted to jump back to that, starting off with the idea in your mind of what you think you would be doing as far as reporting to where, where you are now. How much of a responsibility or, or how, how would you balance out the responsibility you have to doing the actual reporting? You know, I mean, you're a journalist, obviously there's, there's a method, there's a discipline to that. With dealing with the emotional side of the people that you're speaking with and what they're going through, you talked a lot about the trust that they have or don't have with particular media. Well, we've had, uh, I mentioned this earlier, but there's been research done that, that producers, uh, their biggest, trustworthy news source is is on the radio it doesn't come from television it doesn't come from newspapers it's not national it's it's local radio and you know we have to be objective in our role we have to be fair in our reporting um, I mean I'm not going to sit up here and and say and paint agriculture in this great wonderful light it's just not true because we are just like every industry there are some things that everybody wishes you know wouldn't talk about, but we have to do that. But the challenge, I think, for us as reporters is we have to remember we're not the story. And so we may be talking to a producer after a massive wildfire or a flood that came through or a hailstorm or what. We're not the story. We're just there to, to share their story. Now, they could be telling a very emotional and powerful one. We have to remember as reporters we can't wear those emotions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Sometimes it's, it's been beneficial, and I'll speak for myself, that it's okay to, for reporters to seek their own help. Yes. And, I, I mean, I've done it because, because it's challenging. Because if you look at Nebraska, and we'll just take the state of Nebraska over the last two to three years, well, really since 2019, you had the flood, massive flooding, right into the pandemic, right into this drought, right into wildfires. And we're not even talking about the economy or anything else. If I'm talking to a farmer every other day for the majority of the year, or specifically maybe the growing season, which is May through October, and they're saying how bad it is, or they're painting this picture and telling you the struggles, well, that's going to wear on a person. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, and so we have to take care of ourselves. On it's our hard own. to be indifferent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we can empathize, and we're going to write that story, even though we don't want to, but sometimes... We have to, as professionals, take care of ourselves, and if that's seeing a professional, that's seeing a professional. So a lot of what we've talked about is recognizing the, the needs of the men and women in this industry, in agriculture and ranching, and where we are now is the Nebraska Safety Council reaching out to the experts, the people that can actually give us that foundation to be, be able to present the services that we've been doing for a long time, but modify it, customize it, be able to speak directly to that to that audience. And so, Kelsey, I, I, I jump over to you now. A lot of what we do on the wellness side is in the non-agriculture business sector. Mm -hmm. And most of these businesses and organizations, 
um, they're going to have relatively similar structures or models. But you know, when I think about just from my perspective in agriculture, you might have the the, the small family farm, there might be the corporate farm, there might be something that kind of falls in between, whatever those challenges are. So with all of those varied environments mm -hmm. and the sizes of the agriculture operations, where do you see the differences in what your approach is going to be in implementing those wellness practices Absolutely. and what we do? Absolutely. So I firmly believe we're already doing this. So one third of Nebraska's population lives in rural communities. Mm -hmm. So we do have members, we do have some members that are specifically in the ag sector, but we have members already in these rural communities. They may not be directly related to agriculture, but they are there. They are interacting with these farmers, these farm workers. Uh, all that to say, like, we're doing this. We are already providing services to a variety of these different backgrounds, but this program, this cultivating community program is our way to do more with this risk factor that we've talked about, this kind of mental health crisis, if we can take this programming, and this is what I think is so cool, we can take it to all these ag producers, but we know culturally they may not always be receptive to that. But we can take this programming to people in the communities like banks or veterinarians or hairdressers or people who are interacting with these people. And we can kind of give them the tools to ID risk factors or to provide them education. So if then they are interacting with somebody in the agricultural community, they can see those red flags and take steps before it escalates, before it becomes this big crisis. And we just, I feel like we so strongly believe in meeting people where they are at. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're doing mm -hmm. that and we're just going to do it more and we're going to really try and make the people of our state as healthy as healthy and as safe as they can be. Yeah, and I like that we, circling back to uh, something that we were talking about before we came on here today, and that is educating the general population, but starting with those populations, they're gonna know in the community, but it's hard sometimes. You know, oh, yeah. if somebody is having challenges and you know they're having, yeah. how, do you, how do you even begin to go to maybe a spouse or to someone else and say, hey, you know, is John doing okay? And, you know, what are those tools and being able to give that to those folks? And Linda, I wanted to jump back to you because one of the, pri you, you mentioned this, one of the primary objectives of the AgriSafe Network is to reduce the health disparities mm -hmm. in the ag community. So mm -hmm. as, as the content experts, you know, the, the AgriSafe Network, these nurses that started this program and started this initiative, this is over 20 years now, it was 2003, I believe, yeah. when you guys started. How do you navigate your partnerships with the Nebraska Safety Council and other groups um, to be able to provide those services, but provide them in a way, you know, it's just like anything else. The message is actually this, but once it filters down, now it sounds like something totally different. Yeah. And you've got 20 years behind you of, of refining this message. How, how do those relationships work? So we're very fortunate in AgriSafe that we're well connected um, in all kinds of different types of agriculture. And, and I co here in Nebraska, even though you may have one small town very close to another small town, the cultures within those small towns are completely, completely different. And, uh, and when it comes to mental health, um, what AgriSafe has done is we look for like-minded people who could partner up with us, right? That they realize the do-gooders of the world and they look for that passion and that commitment to serve. And so, uh, as I spoke earlier, we 
have both public and, and private partnerships. Um, we've got great connections with the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health. And when we look for partnerships, um, it's, it's a reciprocal um, relationship. It's collaborative. Um, for an example, um, just this last June, I was asked to sit alongside of the National Pork Checkoff Board at the World Pork Expo. If you haven't gone, go check it out. <laughs> Anything you want to know about swine and then some is going on there. I'm not, not going to lie. It sounds like a party I want to go to. Oh, and the food is free. I, I, they have all kinds of pork dishes there you can try out. You, so had, that, you had me at free food. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it really was a lot. And it's international. So, you know, there are pe anyway, we're getting off the rails. Um, so what I did with the National Pork Checkoff Board is they looked to AgriSafe because of our mental health programming and how we have figured out how to reach the producer. Um, their concern was the stress of these farmers, as Kellen talked about. Um, we... Uh, de designed a document together with the Central State Center of Ag Safety and Health, which is part of the University of Nebraska Medical Center's College of Public Health. Um, we came up with a document working with, again, the experts in the business to talk about herd depopulation. So African swine fever is definitely on the pork checkoff board's um, radar. Um, it's a devastating disease that if it would come into the United States, farmers may have to depopulate or kill their entire herd to stop it because it's, it's such a virulent virus. And so how does that farmer handle that stress? If this product that he has worked so very hard to grow and, and spent sometimes, you know, just buckets and buckets of time and money to produce this quality product and then to have to, to, to kill it to stop this virus from spreading. So we, we came up with the herd depopulation resource, and, and we talk about how to take care of your physical health and some of those simple things, but then also to look for signs and symptoms within yourself or your neighbor about things that are really going south very quickly. And, and it could be something um, little maybe that they say that maybe your gut tells you, like, that didn't sound right. Or maybe it's something that you see going on on their farm. They're not keeping up their farm as well. They don't have an interest in some of those things that gave them joy before. And so we worked together with the National Pork Checkoff Board. I talked about mental wellness. I also talked with their staff so that they can be our advocates and continue this ripple effect. So it, it's definitely a reciprocal uh, relationship there in that partnership. We're now um, going to continue our conversation with their swine veterinarians. Veterinarians are suffering as well, because just as Kellen said, you start to absorb some of that emotional stress. They're the ones rubbing elbows with those farmers and have to give them grim news like, we're going to have to take this animal out because he's too sick to, to heal. And, and, and farmers will trust the veterinarians many times because they're out on the farms with them. So um, it's definitely growing, and, and we're always looking for those like-minded people that will help us to spread our message. And Kelsey, I want to jump over to you in a second to talk specifically about some of the programs mm -hmm. that are included in, in, in our cultivating community. But Kellen, for you, you, you talked a lot about, you know, not necessarily being indifferent, but having to do your job and, and, and reporting the, the, you know, the facts as you go along. One of the questions that I have for you is that when you go to, uh, you know, the Brownfield website and, and you're going and you're researching and you're seeing information about market prices and commodities, legislation, trade reports, it, it's a lot more than, you know, just the plow out in the field and all the physical aid. There's a lot more that you need 
to understand if you're going to have a successful farming or ranching operation. From your perspective as a reporter, do you feel that the knowledge that these farmers have, that they've trained themselves to be aware of, to be able to operate successful businesses, is it translating over in the self-preservation side of things that they do need to be taking care of themselves and, and, and their families need to be taking care of themselves as well? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I don't think that there's a, a one-size-fits-all answer for that because sure. I think that there are several factors that when I talk with whether they're producers or, or groups or whatever, it depends on, you know, so depends on your way of life and how you think, your family dynamics, right? If you're, if you're a family that has always been open and really uh, emotionally intact, you're going to be able to understand that, okay, this situation, and you have those conversations and you get those help. But traditionally, and I would say for the majority of producers, they have this mentality, you mentioned it, they have, they're very hardworking, but they also keep to themselves they don't want to burden others, and I think that's a real huge key. Is I'm struggling with this, but I don't want to. I don't want to burden my neighbor down the road, Joe Schmo, because I also know he's he's dealing with this. I would also say that I don't know how well producers. Uh, I'm going to take my age group, my generation, out of this. Uh, for the older generation, how emotionally and how much emotional integrity that they have to recognize some of the signs that they're going through. And we always talk about this stigma, mental health, depression, anxiety, OCD, and everybody kind of puts walls up. And that's kind of even with the general public. I think my generation, we were talking about this earlier, I think my generation's doing a better job of having that conversation. Um, maybe not even well enough yet into the agriculture side. But they're also, at the end of the day, they're eternal optimists. Um, in this drought, when I've talked with producers, how are you handling this? And I bet you, if I had a penny for every time somebody would tell me, well, we're one day closer to a rain, but that's also very, very true, because they know that at some point, whether it's weather, so drought, or wetness, or the economy, which as we know is cyclical, something's going to turn over eventually. It's just we have to weather the current storm, and we're going to do what we have to do in that moment to get through it. You know, a great example, this drought. Well, feed costs are extremely high. We can't get our grass to grow. We don't, our, our feed supplies are short. Well, I'm going to sell some of my herd just to get through this. And when we start to get cattle markets are better and, and improved and we start to get rain, I can build my herd back up. So it's kind of that thought process and that mentality that I think helps, comes and goes. Um, I would also say, and it's been touched on a little bit, access to mental health in rural areas. Yes. Healthcare in general in rural areas is not very good. But then you start talking about mental health experts that have an agriculture background that can relate to what they're going through because I don't think producers believe that in some instances mental health experts can empathize or understand what they're going through. Okay, well I get up at five, five o'clock in the morning and I quit at midnight during harvest and planting season. Very few people understand want to do that, or you know. The other thing is, um, you get into those areas. I would I would actually argue that maybe some people that are not in that industry just, well, that's your job. That's what you chose to do. Yeah, and, and I'm not and I'm not condoning that mindset, mm -hmm. but it's just you're a farmer. That's that's what you do. What do you, what do you want me to do about it? Well, <laughs> based on what we're hearing here today. Not a lot, but you, you are going to have to give back a little bit. And the other thing that I would add, 
farmers have their own health insurance. Mm-hmm. They don't now. It may be different if 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 a spouse is off and at a company and they get family health insurance. But most of the time, mental health uh, isn't covered under under family health insurance that comes from that they have to pay or find themselves, or they're not willing to spend the extra money to increase their premium. And so there's challenges of cost as well if they want to have mental health care. It, and if I could jump in there, it's accessibility. Mm-hmm. It comes down to accessibility, affordability too. But farmers would have to drive an hour or more to go find a behavioral health specialist if they can get into one. Sometimes it's weeks and weeks down the road. So I feel like we have to be a little bit more creative, as Kelsey said, to meet people where they're at. Yeah, and and I'm glad that you brought that up because with the the partnership with the AgriSafe Network and um, and the Nebraska Safety Council, we're going to the experts, to the content experts. We have programming that's always already in place, but we can customize that now. And like you said, Kelsey, we're already doing these things. So when you talk about meeting people where they are, some of the programming that'll fall under that cultivating community umbrella. Absolutely. So through the AgriSafe Network, uh, we have someone who is trained in their QPR, which is question, persuade, and refer training for agricultural communities and a gatekeeper suicide prevention training. So we talk about meeting people where they're at, access issues, call us up. We have people on staff. We know other people in the, who could staff it. We'll go out and provide this training free. We also have um, talking about ticks, which is a Lyme disease prevention program, free, zoonotic disease and pregnancy. These ones are all free. I'll get to the other ones in a second. Uh, and then UNL Extension is going to be providing their Sleepless in Nebraska presentation. We really don't realize how much, I mean, there are so many things that contribute to mental health, but lack of sleep, which is a chronic issue in and of itself, lack of sleep is going to exacerbate all of that. So the Sleepless in Nebraska presentation free of charge is something we can also provide. Uh, we have a staying safe on the Nebraska roadways. We have a, a road safety grant. We can provide training on that. Um, and then some additional training that we do have, um, we can do. We can train on building stronger backs, so proper lifting techniques. I think you guys talked earlier about like musculoskeletal issues. Train on that. Um, respiratory protection and fit testing. That's yeah. huge with the respiratory diseases. Uh, first aid. We can provide training. Bloodborne pathogen training. And then UNL Extension also is being so kind to partner with us for their food in the field. So how do you make? good nutritional choices when you are in a tractor for 18 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So this is just a jumping off point because we meet people where they're at. If we have somebody who is interested in these programs, other programs, they can call us up. We are happy to create and provide training with our partners, with our own staff to just get out there and be accessible for our state. And and I, all the programming that we have, what I appreciate, appreciate about it is that we've, you know, as my dad would say when I was younger, you know, you need to do your homework, you need to do your research, and it, we're, we're not pretending that we have all the answers and that we know, or, you know, Kellen, to your point, understand what the work hours are like, but, you know, when we partner with AgriSafe Network and then we have that foundation to be able to work from, we have a much better understanding of what it is that they're going through. Um, a couple questions to wrap up here today, and I want to start with... Um, something that we had talked about as it relates to mental health we've talked a lot about those that are actually out in the field or on the ranch or doing that work but backing up for a moment and thinking in terms of the families and specifically the kids both of you linda (laughs) kellen both of you said (laughs) you graduated high school 
I'm never going back there. I'm never doing that. Now, granted, you, you've, you've chosen careers that are still impacting something that is obviously intrinsic in your nature. I mean, it's a part of who you are. Where do you feel a lot of the programming that we're talking about, the issues that we're talking about, where can we support kids in all of this? Because, you know, we, and we say this once we become parents, you know, kids are a lot smarter and hear a lot more oh, than yeah. we realize. And, and they, they see the impact and they see mom and they see dad stressed mm-hmm. out or they see mom and they see dad arguing, mm-hmm. you know, or they hear them talking about money and it, it creates all of these different ideas in their head about, you know, w- what is success, what isn't success. Where is the AgriSafe network, I, I guess, sort of integrating or impacting not only just those that are doing the work, but also their families? Where, where does that start? Great question. And you certainly hit upon um, the kids. They absorb, just naturally absorb what's going on in the stress. And they're feeling it too. And they, it may come out in different behaviors, um, you know, based on what's the vibe of the house or the farm of the day. So AgriSafe Network has a program called Invest in Your Health. And we have six different training modules. And the one is called Cultivating a Healthy Mind. So within that, we do... Um, have reached out to experts to help us design this program that addresses the issues that youth may be feeling and what are some of those red flag signs. You know, what are some things that we need to start asking questions, start talking to teachers, and, and looking for the resources within their communities. And many communities have the resources. You just have to ha- may have to have some assistance in finding those resources. So we have that training, and that training can, we also have a train the trainer program within the Invest in Your Health program. So it could be your 4-H leaders, your FFA teachers. They can take this training. They will be given the curriculum then to go on and train their own kids. Um, so that's part of what we're doing. We also are well connected with the National Children's Center, um, which is um, also addresses agricultural issues specifically for the kids. So again, we're well connected, and um, we can certainly help find the answers to some of those those hard questions about ch- kids. Kellen, you had mentioned uh, a younger generation of farmer and rancher is maybe in a place now because of the environment that they've grown up in, or maybe it maybe it is different in the rural communities. I don't know, but that they are they're able to speak a little bit more about some of the things that they're going through. Do you feel that? that is impacting not only their children and how they're maybe managing some of the stresses of being in, you know, a family that's in this industry, but maybe their parents, their aunts, uncles, sort of the older generation as well. Do you feel that it's sort of stemming or originating from that group? I I think the the challenges, and I I don't know if if my generation is becoming better at at discussing the challenges. They're doing a better job of of what I would, you know, using social media to say, this is what we're doing on our farm. Mm -hmm. So I think there's there's a a different way of telling that story. But going back to the crooks of why we're here and talking about on on, on the podcast is mental health. I mean, how many times, you you know, uh, YouTube right now, farmers on YouTube, for whatever reason, is popular. My dad watches it all the time. I think I've got a nephew that does it too. You don't hear them talking about depression and anxiety on, <clears throat> excuse me, their YouTube page or on social media or posting about it. But they will, but they'll go out and tell that story. I think the the challenge, right, the fi- family dynamic is we have to understand whether this is intentional or, or not. The actions by individuals are affecting the other people in this specific way. So if mom and dad are having a discussion or are upset about whether it's finances, weather, or stress and children hear it, well, 
I think we have to have a conversation of, okay, what you're doing, that conversation, intentional or not, this is how it's affecting your children, and this is their response to it, and how they're forming around this. Um, so I don't think that there's a great answer, but I think that's part of it. Um, but we have to continue to have these conversations like this to get home, because if, if we just stopped having the conversation, then we're gonna, nobody makes any progress. And I think you have to continually have that. Now, I'm, that's just a personal thought. You know, where does my role as a journalist come into play? I, I'm not an advocate for anybody. I have to be fair and objective. But this is a part of the topics and what's making news right now. So we're going to report it as we see it, um, you know, because we do a few stories when uh, May is Mental Health Awareness mm -hmm. Month, and there's always ag groups are doing that. And so, um, and you know, if like state ag organizations uh, will we'll typically do some sort of campaign or have some farmers will talk about their story. We have to continue just to, just to talk about that. But again, my role is, is, is reporting the news. And when it falls in that way, we report it and we share that story. If so, I could jump in real quick. Absolutely. I think as adults, you know, especially those of us that work in the land and are out there all the time, I think we need to be, we need to be the role leaders. We need to be role models for our kids and, and help our children understand what does it mean? Why are my emotions the way they are? And, and to have these open conversations at the dinner table, we often say the kitchen table is where everything happens on the farm. <laughs> and so um, actually the University of Minnesota has this great little um, tab that they just put together that simple questions about how did you feel about today? What were the perks in the pits? You know, what was two good things that happened today? So it's just simple questions on this tab that you just open it up and, and there's a question of the day and let's talk about it at the supper table. Mm -hmm. One last question, and Linda, I'll start with you. We'll go uh, around the table, but um, if if memory serves, we're going to be coming up on harvest here pretty soon. Oh yeah, we're going to be coming up on a time of year where there is going to be a lot happening. Um, there's going to be a lot more machinery out on the roads. Um, you know, you might, as I do sometimes, take the take the back roads to get to my house, and you'll see those lights out in the middle of a field. You know, kind of wondering what's going on. What would be the, we talked about the general population taking some responsibility, just a, just a little bit of ownership in understanding these issues and being able to contribute in their own way. What would be the one thing that you would tell someone, and, and I, will, I will be the example, because I'm the, I'm the city kid here at the table. What, what would be the one thing that you would tell me to just keep in mind about these men and women, what's going on, and how I could help in just a small way? I think if you have a question, ask that question, right? And, and especially with it, when it comes to a farmer, you can open up a conversation very easily as in, how is the weather affecting your crops this year? You know, just one simple question to open up a dialogue. And um, I often, you know, people, again, have their own ideas, and farmers don't do a great job of telling the story. So I think um, you, you, I've often said, just come out to our farm for a day. And, and, and right along with us. And I think you'll have a better understanding of exactly what it takes to grow that food. And here in the Midwest, I often say we're growing our food's food. So um, to have that understanding really is the, is the first step. Kellen? I would, I would, I think the first thing that came to mind is, is, is thank, thank a farmer. If you have an opportunity to yes. see him, thank them for their work. I think that, I think that goes a long way. Um, and then maybe if I could add just one extra separate thing, if you do get the chance, to talk with a farmer, learn about their story, learn how they raise their their crops and livestock and whatnot, then go share that story with someone else. Or if, if that person is around somebody and they're 
talking about, well, all of this in agriculture is bad or whatever, just share, oh, I actually got to talk and be on this person's farm, and this is what I learned. Whether it's right, wrong, or otherwise, everyone's going to make that their own interpretation, but just share, well, this was my experience. I mean, I would imagine that the the opinions and the, the commentary within the communities is important, that that back and forth that they have, but it sounds like for someone like myself, just going to a farmer and saying, hey, I really appreciate what you do. How's the weather been? I mean, that, there really is a lot of merit in that. I agree. And if you're really feeling ambitious, you always, you can always, re- I can guarantee you, if, if, if somebody were to reach out to a state commodity group, Corn Growers Association, Soybean Board, Farm Bureau, Farmers Union, and say, hey, I'm a normal, regular Joe Schmo, middle of the road, live in Omaha, live in Lincoln, I want to learn more about agriculture. I can guarantee you that you will be set up by the end of the day to learn more about it, whether that's with a farmer or someone on their staff. They will jump at the chance to help with that. That's fantastic. Kelsey, I want to finish out with you um, with the Cultivating Community Program that we're doing right now. Um, I I guess the message that you would have for farmers, ranchers, and and their families as far as just maybe making the, the trip over to the the laptop or the computer, what have you, and visiting uh, nesafetycouncil.org to learn more about it. Yeah, I would say it's almost like the flip side. So you guys are saying ask. You will al- you always continue to learn. Ask. It's, it's, the, it's the same thing. It's a question. I'm interested in this. We will, same thing. You talk about they will bend over backwards. We will bend over backwards if someone comes and asks a question, even if they're not maybe ready to make the full commitment. We can at least provide the information and be there and be present. Um, and help in any way that we can. We're right. just excited to be part of it. <laughs> NESafetyCouncil.org. And the, the web address for AgriSafe Network? AgriSafe.org. And for those folks that maybe learned today that if they want to learn about commodities and trade reports <laughs> and everything else, and they've, they've never sat in a tractor or been in a field in their life, the website for Brownfield? BrownfieldAgNews.com. Brownfield Ag News. And I am going to add, if there is somebody who doesn't love the computer and they'd rather have a phone call, my direct line, I can provide that as well, is 402-483-2511, extension 103. All right. Extension 103. We're going to step away for a quick second and be back to wrap things up here on our Connections podcast. The Nebraska Safety Council is doing our part to keep Nebraska roads safe, but it takes you to make it happen. With support from the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office, the Nebraska Safety Council can provide a free road safety presentation for your business or organization. Education and up-to-date information on seatbelt safety, cell phone use, distracted, impaired, and drowsy driving, along with assistance in developing your road safety policies. Visit nesafetycouncil.org to learn more. Many thanks again to the Herdat crew, Cam, Brandon, and Chris, for helping us out with our Connections podcast. Again, we're going to be back uh, again on October 5th. We will have another one of our podcast episodes for you to check out. Tomorrow, if you're out and about and in the capital city in Lincoln, we will have our community day at Gateway Mall. You'll be able to see Kelsey and some, uh, some other members of our Nebraska Safety Council team. 
uh, out at Community Day, including some free blood pressure uh, screenings. And are we going to have the uh, blood screenings yep. as well? Heart Aware is going to be out doing some cholesterol measurements. Some cholesterol measurements. So there you go. A couple free opportunities there. That'll be at Gateway Mall in Lincoln tomorrow from 10 a.m to 2 p.m. and do want to let you know about another event that we are partnering with the Nebraska Department of Transportation, the uh, highway office. There is a, a advanced teen driver education event that will be happening August 12th and 13th at the Lincoln Airport. Now this is not um, something if your child has never driven. Uh, this would be if they've already uh, received or have earned their driver's license, their operating license. This is an advanced teen driver course. Uh, it's a group that travels the country. They're called Brakes. Be respectful and know uh, everyone's safe. I believe that's what the acronym stands for. I probably just blew that. I'll get a phone call shortly <laughs> after we're done here. But I do know this. If you would like to register, you can go to putonthebrakes.org. Putonthebrakes.org to get registered for that Advanced Teen Driver Education Program. Uh, and this is not just for the kids. Uh, parents or guardians and the kid will go through this program together. And it is very comprehensive out at the Lincoln Airport, August 12th and 13th. The Brakes Program, Advanced Teen Driver Education, put on the brakes.org. That'll do it for us on this uh, edition of the Connections Podcast. Again, many thanks to Linda Emanuel, Kellen Havikin, and Kelsey Pruce for joining us. Again, you'll be able to uh, watch this again and uh, get all the information that we have shared this afternoon at nesafetycouncil.org. I'm John Leffler, Executive Director for the Nebraska Safety Council. Thank you for joining us. The Connections Podcast is a presentation of the Nebraska Safety Council and produced by Herd Ad Media. For questions, suggestions, or to inquire about being a guest, please email marketing at nesafetycouncil.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit us at nesafetycouncil.org. Hood at Media Production.